Welcome to the More Like Podcast with me, Jackie. This is a place for us to uncover our truth and learn from each other's similarities and figure out ways to celebrate what makes us different. Get ready to challenge yourself to see how things in life and the people who are in it are more alike than you may think. I'm so happy you're here. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the more alike podcast i don't really have much for you guys as we're kind of doing this new like how are things going in my world um other than this week is a very important week it is election day on november 3rd so i just want to encourage everybody to be incredibly mindful more so than all of you guys already are being Um, recognize if you need to take breaks, take breaks from social media, take breaks from the news. Because I think that right now, especially in 2020, all of us are operating at just like a higher than normal stress level. Um, We're all still having to go to work. We're all still having to teach our students, be a parent, be a friend, whatever it is that it looks like. And we're all just kind of, because of the energy that's going on around us, operating at more anxiety than or with more anxiety than normal. So as we enter into this election day, just be sure to take care of yourself. If you need to take a half day at work, take a half day at work. If you need to do, you know, have a take a longer walk than normal, do that. If you need to just rest and relax, turn everything off and kind of return to yourself with some breathing, do that too. And and just go into the week doing things a little bit extra Thing you would normally do cooking yourself extra nutritious meals drinking some more water um because i think we're all going to need that for for um i think it's tuesday and that's really all i'm going to say i hope everybody got out there and exercised their privilege to vote if not that's absolutely okay there's no judgment here just know that um you guys are seen known and loved for who you are um Yeah, so that's really all I'm going to say about that. All of this is kind of crazy too because November 3rd lands on mine and my husband's two-year anniversary, which is really fitting for the next couple of weeks because we dive into Enneagram and relationships. And, you know, I'm spending a lot of time this upcoming weeks just focusing on trying to get ahead, getting ahead on the podcast, getting ahead on schoolwork so that me and him can enjoy our little staycation that we have this upcoming weekend. I will be honest, I'm feeling a little bit anxious about all of it because, you know, we still are in a global pandemic. So still trying to operate in a fashion that feels safe and comfortable for us. So wish us luck on that. Um, Maybe I'll have him on in the next couple of episodes to kind of talk about two years of marriage thus far. I do think I want to talk with him about love languages. I think that would be really, really fun. I feel like you guys here in the community would really love that. I'm constantly thinking of you guys and what I can do to best serve you guys in this community that we have here. So always be sure to slide into my DMs at More Like Podcast. Let me know what you guys are loving, what you guys want to change, what you guys want more of, because this community is for you guys, not necessarily for me. I'm merely a vessel to get you guys different types of content and information. And that being said, be sure to hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and 
and review. It really is super helpful to get the more like podcast out there. You guys have been so amazing already and whoever has already done so, but be sure if you haven't, take some time. I would really greatly appreciate if you went over there and left a rating and review. Or if you feel like these conversations are fun, share it with a friend. Right now, all of us are walking more. We're in our cars a little bit less, but share these episodes with a friend. That is also greatly appreciated. Um, I did get a lot of really great feedback about the Enneagram episode with Fun Lola. So if you are new to More Like, thank you guys for being here. If you are a returning listener, listener, thank you guys also for being here. I'm so happy that everybody is here and whatever brought you to the More Like podcast. Um, I'm so, so, so grateful that you guys chose to hit play. And so we are in a four-part four-week series all on the Enneagram. Last week, Fun Lola from at Enneagram Everything came and did an overview of what the Enneagram is and how she uses it as a tool in her everyday life. This upcoming three weeks, we're joined with Vryn Rao, and she is an Enneagram coach as well. And she is going to dive into Enneagram and relationships and not just traditional partnerships like mine and David, but friendships and any type of relationship you find yourself in. And after years of struggling with her own identity and purpose, Vryn found helping and found it in helping and serving others. Vryn started Illuminate NYC to help under others understand what a healthy identity looks like in this life. She also helps us understand how our need for validation can help hurt or block our own personal growth. She uses tools like the Enneagram, meditation, yoga, and mindfulness and self-awareness to help us uncover our core motivations that directly uncover our personal needs and fears. She's created a business that is driven by a holistic approach to living meaningful and authentic life. She's definitely our kind of gal here at the More Like Podcast, and I know she's going to provide you guys so much wisdom as we enter into the next three weeks all about Enneagram and relationships. So that being said, friends, let's go ahead and jump into this wonderful conversation. Like I said, one of three that we have with Vryn. I can't wait for you guys to hear this and I can't wait to get feedback on what you guys think. I love you all so much and we will chat very, very soon. All right, Vryn, I am so happy that you are on the More Like podcast today. Um, But before we kind of jump into our episode, I want to just let everybody know Vryn is going to be with us for not one or two, but three whole episodes of More Like. And I feel so humbled that she is going to do this and spending the time to do this with us. And we are going to kind of dive deeper and kind of pull into the weeds of the Enneagram. Last week, Fun Lola from Enneagram Everything gave us a really great overview of the nine types, why the Enneagram is helpful, why it's important, and why it's a tool that you can use to kind of enhance your life. And now Vryn is coming on and we are going to kind of um, pull apart some of the things that really make Enneagram super accessible and functional for your daily life, specifically within relationships. And I'm so excited because the way that we've decided to structure this episode is we're really going to talk about the different centers of the Enneagram. And that's something we didn't talk about with Fonlola. We went in order numerically, type one to nine. And so we're going to kind of get a little bit deeper into what this is, what the Enneagram looks like, and this beautiful ancient teaching that is really within 
all of us. So with all that being said, Vryn, I am so, so excited that you're here. And I just want to kind of touch base with you. How are you doing? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Jackie. And so excited to really get to meet your listeners because you have such a wonderful base of listeners. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. Really excited to be here and really excited to dive into this incredible world of relationships, something that all of us as human beings, you know, your podcast is, the title is more alike, right? And that's, that's really what binds all of us in many ways as human beings, we crave relationships. And so really diving into how the Enneagram can help us to really have healthy, strong relationships, to understand ourselves better, as well as to really give understanding to others in our lives. I think that is so beautiful. And sorry for anybody that's listening, I'm kind of recovering from a cold. So my voice is a little bit hoarse, more raspy than usual, but that is beautiful. I think you saying that we crave relationship is, is absolutely true. I, I do believe we're built to be in community, um, whether that's via the internet, whether that's in person, but we really just deeply want to connect, connect to ourselves, connect to others, connect to the earth, to the world around us. And I think that the Enneagram is a wonderful, wonderful tool um, to do that. But before we get in, I do just kind of want to get to know you and your journey to the Enneagram a little bit. I talked a little bit about it in my intro, but I am curious as to how you, a biologist, right? Yeah, got here to Enneagram. Yeah, yeah. It seems like um, I've lived several lives in this lifetime. So yeah, biologist slash um, molecular biologist, you know, started started my journey in the science world and um, got my master's as well. And then after some time, um, actually, while I was doing my master's in a lab, I realized that this wasn't for me, that I needed to be, like you said, in community, in, in serving others. And that said, there's still a very practical streak in me. And I felt that, well, I was given so many years to science, I would really love to, you know, honestly get my return on investment. It's as simple as that. But I wanted to do so in a way that was starting to feel more authentic to me. So that meant not being so isolated, um, working more in terms of teaching or the theory of science and, and really starting to like move, not sure where, but <laughs> to move in a direction towards working more with people. And eventually I found myself in the world of regulatory affairs where I work for the Canadian government. I'm Canadian. And um, I, <laughs> I help to regulate natural health products. And then I, I went to the other side where I was advocating for companies that were making natural health products. And by that time, I met my husband who was living in New York. And, you know, one thing led to another. At a certain time, we realized, yes, marriage was, was ahead of us and starting to really put things in place as intentionally as possible. And the one thing that wasn't intentional was I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to go back into the world of regulatory affairs. It had served me well. I had learned a lot. I'm really grateful for that time. And yet 
I didn't know what to do. And it was on his suggestion, actually, I took a coaching certification. And I did not know that 25 minutes into walking into my course, I would have that epiphany moment of, oh my God, this is what I want to do. And so that's one part of the story. The other part where the Enneagram comes in is that I've always been really, really curious and fascinated with what makes us alike. And at the same time, what also differentiates us? You know, both of them can be held simultaneously. And I was so fascinated by that. And I didn't know that the bonus of meeting my husband was that he had already been studying the Enneagram for over 11 years. So very early into our relationship, I was introduced to the Enneagram. And the only way I can put it is it felt like a duck to water for me. This felt like such a perfect blend of everything I was looking for. And that's really where my study, my love, and my journey into um, really growing myself with the aid of the Enneagram began. I feel you've already said so many things just in, in the way that you've described your path. There's so much there that you were open to in the midst of all the change you knew you used the word movement like moving somewhere else and you didn't know where you were but you needed to move out of what you were in not that you didn't enjoy it you enjoyed that return on investment you were doing really important work for women really important work for your field as a biologist as a molecular biologist as a scientist and in the in policy um for Canada and Canadians. And I know that when you came and you moved, I think sometimes we just have to be open. We have to be open to what it is that the world and life in the universe can present to us. You didn't even know you met your husband. Um, I'm sure you guys had had conversations about Enneagram and upon his suggestion, you could have been like, no, I'm not just going to do what you're doing. Like, I'm not just going to try to follow in your footsteps, but you led with a, what else do I have to lose? Let me try to figure it out. Let me just go see if I like this. And lo and behold, it ended up being something just for you as well as a coach and a guide. And my big question from all of this is, I asked from Lola this as well as another coach is, once you've learned the Enneagram in this like deep, deep layered way, do you feel like these are things that you can ever unlearn? Or is it something that you just like integrate into your life? That's such a great question. I would really say that once the veil has been removed, you can't unsee. That's the best way that I can put it. And so this is not something that I could ever unlearn. This is now really ingrained. And the reason for that is I think it speaks to such powerful truths that we subconsciously, unconsciously realize, understand, know um, that we've even experienced, but we didn't have the tools or the language to really be able to explain what we were seeing. And so that's really the power of the Enneagram. And I often joke around and I say that it's a superpower. Once you really have even a good foundation, a good basis, this is something that offers so much more insight into the way that we work and the way that others work that the learning just feels like 
you have to, <laughs> you have to pursue it. You have to learn more. You have to learn more. And at least for me, what I realize is that the more I learn, the less I realize I know. Absolutely. You don't know what you don't know. And then there's this big piece of humility. Anytime you're learning something of like, there's so much I don't know. And then there's also comfort in that being like, I'm never necessarily going to be um, a know it all about the Enneagram, but also that doesn't mean that you're not an expert on the Enneagram. It's this like both you, like you said at the beginning, we can hold both, right? We can hold the, we are so alike, but also we are so different as well. Um, And kind of moving in before we move on, I am just curious what type are you? I am what is known as the achiever type. So the type three on the Enneagram. And so as we'll kind of start doing little mini dives into the types, I think we're going to be talking about the three today. So mm-hmm. you'll get to see what I, what I face, you know, the shadows that I experience and um, happy to have that opportunity to also just, yeah, speak openly about you know, the struggles that every single type faces. And yeah. perhaps Lola mentioned this, but there really is no type that is better or worse on the Enneagram. There really no. isn't. Um, that said, whatever type you are, whatever really like energy, instead of type, sometimes I like to use the word energy, whatever energy or lens by which we see the world through, uh, once we start to recognize, oh, wow, this is, this is how... I experience and process things. And once we start to see both the gifts and the shadows, it is very natural to feel that either um, if we're unaware of our shadows, it can be easy to feel like this is the best type. And if we're really aware of our shadows, it's very easy to feel that this is the worst. Type. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is but, so real. <laughs> but that said, it's, it's not about worst or best. It's just about recognizing this is the box that I put myself in and how can I really try to grow and develop my awareness? I think, and I mentioned this in the episode with Fanilola, the best thing about the Enneagram for me is or or new kind of typologies that I've been interested in. I feel I resonate the most towards human design as well as Enneagram. But the reason why I do is because there is this growth component. There is ways to learn about yourself and look inward. We talked offline about this homecoming, like returning to yourself to be able to move forward and move into your best, most aligned version of yourself. And I truly believe that the Enneagram really gives you a great roadmap on how to do that, what it looks like in your life, in your behavior, when you are working at your best, what it looks like in your life and in your behavior when you're kind of experiencing some shadow sides or some triggers or some harder moments. And so it kind of helps provide, like you said, language to express the actions that you're experiencing or the feelings that you're experiencing. But there's so much that we could talk about, like on the baseline level, I feel like we probably just need to just dive in. Um, Do we want to just start at the centers and talk about them in relationships or what are you thinking? Sure. Um, Perhaps maybe we can start with like a small little piece around levels of consciousness. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So one of the things that I very early on learned and it didn't really, I didn't realize 
the importance of it until more recently. And that is as important and as helpful it is to understand and to kind of determine your type. Even more important, I would say, is to understand where your level of consciousness is at. And so I'll give a simple example. This is not my example. This is offered by Russ Hudson and Don Riso, who are some of the preeminent Enneagram teachers in the world. And they speak about having a nail in the wall, right? And around that nail, you can have a rubber band. And that rubber band can stretch so far up or down. And you can think about that as being able to access more healthy levels of consciousness and then dipping down lower, especially in times of stress. Now, very often, and I'm very guilty of this, we can get fixated on how far can I stretch that rubber band? How far? And we miss the fact that growth is actually about moving that nail up on the level of consciousness. And so being able to Honestly, and this really requires the help of of someone outside a mirror, somebody who can be very objective. So often coaches can take that position. I'm a big proponent of therapy, you know, perhaps even a therapist, anybody who who can see a little bit more, who's who's very watchful and is observing how you speak, how you receive, and to be able to have a discussion and kind of recognize on average, where does my nail lie on the spectrum of consciousness? So just a small little piece on that. I mean, we could speak ad infinitum just about this, but this adds so much nuance to the Enneagram just because this takes away from the notion of nine types or more than nine types. This now starts talking about like billions and billions of types because Mm -hmm. Somebody could be a particular type and then, you know, they have the secondary type, which is known as a wing, which also provides another layer of nuance. And then there's, there's a few more energies, you know, that get added onto that. But it's really that level of consciousness and where we're at that is so specific to us that makes us so unique. Absolutely. And, and recognizing we are where we are and we are where we're at and moving from that place or even just like you said recognizing that consciousness of being at that place sort of when you said the nail and you talked about moving the nail you know um in my life i'm having some like health stuff that's kind of happening and we're trying to figure out we're moving my baseline i'm currently here Mm -hmm. and we're doing things in my life to kind of actively move this baseline to a different level. And that's kind of when you said that grabbing the nail and moving it instead of stretching the rubber band, because rubber band is going to break. You're not going to be able to fit that capacity. So you have to actively, if you want change, remove the nail, put it in a different spot, and then you're able to experience the different sides at it in a different way. Is that, am I getting it correctly? You Just got it perfectly. Perfectly. Okay, I, I, really to... love, I really love that you related it to your health. First of all, I'm sorry to hear that, but so happy to hear <laughs> okay. you're also getting, you know, like you're moving the, you're moving the baseline, which is amazing. But I think that's a beautiful um, and very tangible visual or um, experience that 
are that your listeners can relate to because that's I hope so. And you're right. Sometimes diving into these things, it's so nuanced, even in some of the things that we probably are going to talk about today. It is we're getting into the weeds. These are this is for the listeners who loved last week's episode that are like, I'm here for this. I want to learn more. I kind of want to dive deeper. So I just kind of want to explain further, at least in how I'm understanding. So then you can educate and coach me too. And hopefully people feel like they're being coached along with this too. Sometimes I feel on Enneagram episodes, two coaches get together and they're just in the weeds of it all. And you feel as a listener, you're new and you're like, I'm like a little bit behind. So it's true. true. No, that's perfect. Okay, great. So levels of consciousness, everybody should recognize where you are is where you are. We're working towards finding where you are, have a coach, a therapist to help you recognize this is where you are. And then this is how we can move the nail to experience a healthier and unhealthy level of consciousness in a different type of way when it comes to your type. Absolutely. Perfect. Okay. So now getting into the meat of it all, do certain types go together? I feel like that's a big question that a lot of people ask. Um, I particularly feel like I I know the answer to this. No, I think everybody can work with everybody, but I would love to hear your opinion. You're absolutely right. Yes. Any type can be compatible with any other type. However, the caveat is it depends on the level of consciousness of both individuals. So not just one individual, but both individuals. So if both are healthy or aspiring and really actively working to become healthier in their own consciousness, then the relationship will just flow a lot more easily because whether you're the same type or you're not, there is a recognition and a respect that if you are of a different type, I see where your gifts can help me and perhaps where my gifts can help you. Absolutely. And I guess what we'll do today is we'll talk about the first three types that we're interested in, the heart center types. And before we even get into that, can we talk a little bit about centers and how that kind of frames out the Enneagram diagram? Absolutely. So with the diagram, if anybody wants to pull it up, you'll see that it's a circle with this interesting kind of like hexagonal my math is not so good so forgive me I did not do well in geometry but you know this shape almost in between and you can see where lines intersect with the circle and you can see these nine points and so from there you'll see that and we'll just start off start off at the top that um the nine, the one, and the eight all are kind of at the crown or at the top of the circle. So the eight, nine, and the one, they form a particular triad or center. And that is known as the gut or instinctive center, which means that when I am operating through or I access one of these energies primarily, I identify as one of these types, the way in which I make decisions, it's very instinctive. You know, that's what I rely on. And as we move to the right, so we'll see next to the one, we have the two, three, and the four. This is known as the heart center types, which we'll discuss a little bit more today. And these are the types that are really able to, and I pause there because we'll get into some of the nuance that one of these types, even though it's the center, it has a hard time accessing what (laughs) this triad is all about, which is accessing feelings or emotions, 
right? And then finally, we have the five, six, and the seven, and they comprise the head center or the mind, that, that triad. And as you can tell from this, you know, we have the head, we have the heart, we have the body, the gut, and we need all three to really be able to function properly. That's really important. So even though we may lean more heavily on one center, that doesn't mean that um, we don't require those other energies. And that's really what growth looks like. It's being able to access and see, okay, if I primarily oper operate through the heart, then I need, I need some help perhaps in accessing the body. I need some help perhaps in accessing the mind or the head. And so how can I start to do that? And so that's where, like you said, um, the path to growth can be really outlined in a very systematic way, which is something I love about the Enneagram. I think that was a perfect introduction into the centers and kind of you used earlier the lens that we kind of view the world and where we are, where we are operating from, from like a somatic sense. And so today we're going to talk about the first three types in the heart center. So type two, three, and four, and we'll kind of just run through how each type, you know, what they um, can bring to a relationship and then potentially areas of growth or points of consideration, things to be, um, not to look out for, but to maybe recognize, bring to your self-awareness, bring into that consciousness of areas that you could potentially um, work on or grow in inside your relationship as well. Does that sound good? That sounds perfect. Great. All right. Let's go ahead and get into, we'll start with type two. We'll start with type two. Perfect. Okay. So type two is known as the helper. And each of these types have at their best, you can say certain characteristics, qualities that we can associate them with. And so I'll just name off a few. There's, there's so many. For, so for the twos, especially in relationships, we'll focus in on that. Um, at their best, very caring, very, very nurturing, affectionate, loving, super generous. Um, they are in so many ways um, the biggest cheerleaders. If you're so lucky to have a two in your life, you know, they're the biggest cheerleaders for you. They have an ability to see the best in you that you may not even be able to see in yourself. And so um, I'll give a little, I'll give maybe like a little example of, you know, people I know or people I've heard of in my life, just to give maybe some flavor and energy for the twos, you know, in relationship. So the, one of the first people that comes to mind, I have, I'm lucky to have a few really amazing twos in my life is my mother-in-law. And she is just, um, incredible. And I mean, the level of, and especially at a healthy level, the level of selflessness and ability to sacrifice is unbelievable for the two, really. And so when my husband was young, he has an older sister, I think they were, they're about four, four and a half years apart. So he was probably two or three, you know, his sister, a little bit older, um, their grandmother moved in with them. And so they were living in India, they had a one bedroom apartment. And here's the thing, his grandmother, um, his dad's mother was paralyzed. And so his dad would be working and going on trips all the time. And so his mother was in charge of not only taking care of her two kids, but also her mother-in-law. 
And to the point where <clears throat> her condition got so worse that she would almost have every two hours have to change her, have to move her, like be really like a personal caregiver. And to this day, whenever we speak, she'll say, those were the best times in my life. Best time. And you can see, she's not just saying this, like from a very, very deep place. She's saying, this was such a wonderful time in my life. I got to be of service. Do you know how much joy that brings? And it's overwhelming to me. And, and, and it can be very hard for, for others who may not who may not really predominantly see the world through this lens to be like, that's crazy. How, how can you say that was the best time in your life? For others, they may feel like I would have felt trapped like anything. Um, so little space, you know, your entire world is just taken over by another person. But for her, um, you know, this is what life is for the two. It's, it's to really love and to be of service. I think that is such a beautiful story. And I love that you're adding some antidote and personal experience. I think that makes it tangible and relatable for people that are listening instead of so like scientific and as a matter of fact. So I, I appreciate that and I look forward to, to learning more. Oh, of course. So yeah, so that's a little bit, you know, that's, I would say a healthy too. So I think the other part you were mentioning is how about the growth aspect for any one of these types. <clears throat> and so for the twos, one of the things that's so, so important for them to realize is, you know, this phrase that we hear time and time again, when we enter into an aircraft and we're just about to take off, put your oxygen mask on for yourself first before you help somebody else, right? And the growth for the two is to recognize I have needs and that is okay. And it can be, the reason for this is that the twos have this incredible radar almost to really sense other people's needs, that it can be very difficult to recognize that they have their own needs. What to speak of even ask for help. So that's one. Um, the other thing in line with, with really being able to recognize others' needs is to ask them if they actually want help with their needs. Because it can be so easy for them to see it and to say, I know how to fix it. I know how to help you and just jump in. But to actually give that respect, to respect those boundaries even perhaps, and to ask instead of just jumping in. My husband and I have worked a lot on that and me voicing what I need from him instead of just kind of when I, and I don't know if that, if the ladder of like where you are or that nail point, if it can move real quickly, because sometimes I feel I'm healthy one moment and then all of a sudden something triggers me and then I'm, I'm kind of in a spiral of being unhealthy and I start getting like resentful or un upset if I'm doing something and my husband's on the couch and I'm over here working and I'm like, he hasn't even asked if I need help. Da, da, da. But my husband, so wonderfully, like the six he is, he's like, you have to tell me, I can't read your mind. I don't know what you need from me. I don't know what, how I can best help you. Mm. And so him allowing me the opportunity to feel safe enough that he won't leave me or he won't be upset with me if I ask for help or he won't love me if I need something from him, um, that he actually welcomes it. 
because he wants to be in this relationship in that way um, has been instrumental in our relationship. And when I was reading about just our types in general, um, one of our areas of growth for us as specific as a couple is like, we could either be too close or too far apart. And I totally recognize that. And I resonate that with that a lot. And so I think having language and communication in place for you as a person to be able to use in your relationship is, is so important. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit into, I guess, us as a relationship, but having that language is, has been really, really helpful. Or just being able to see that there is a reason why sometimes I feel frustrated. Like sometimes I want to give all of myself and there's no problem with me giving all of myself. But then there are times where I struggle and I'm like, I don't know, is this what I want to do? Is this, is this how I'm truly feeling? Do I want to give of myself? Do I not? And then I recognize like, oh, there's something here that's maybe not adding up. What is a boundary that you're missing? What is a need of yours that is not being met that is making you feel this way? Because when you're healthy, you don't ask these questions or you don't feel this way. You bring up something really, really important, actually, and that is at the, at the core of everything are, are for any type, are our basic fears and ba basic desires. And for the twos, that basic fear, I thought that was very powerful when you said that fear of being rejected, that fear of being unloved or not being close enough. And it's during those times, right, that we start to move towards behavior that is actually detrimental to getting what we really want, right? So sometimes that means like pushing in closer to somebody or perhaps just um, finding ways to do more things under the guise even of, I'm just doing this because I love you. I'm just doing this because I love you without truly recognizing that actually what I just really need to hear is that I love you. You know, I love you for who you are. Don't worry. You know, if you need a hand, I'm just so happy to do it. You know, we need that reassurance. Absolutely. And that's beautiful that um, you have someone in your life who can offer that because when we have it, the path to growth can be a lot easier. It, it really, really is. And it starts with recognizing yourself. And I think that's going to be the whole theme of the whole part of the Enneagram is Yes, it's a powerful tool in relationships, but again, everything is just a homecoming. It all comes back to you and that self-awareness and that consciousness. And you bring up a really, really valid point of we are humans and we're going to want to get our needs met in whatever way is possible. Whatever obstacle, internal or external, is in the way, we are going to find a way to meet that need, whether it is in an appropriate way or like a maladaptive way. And at times, how you said, we can kind of try to manip me as two is what I'm saying. We we can try to manipulate the situation under a guise of I'm I'm being helpful because I love you, when in reality it's to serve my own my own needs. And recognizing that there's a deeper layer is so helpful because that's not always the case. That's majority of the time, not the case, but when it is, it's like, what is, where's this other need that's not being met? Um, and then being able to have people show up for you and tell me 
I love you not for what you give for me, but for how you make me, I'm going to start crying, how you make me feel like you don't have to prove anything. You are worthy just being here and being yourself and not from what you do for me or give for me. It's okay to have boundaries has been so helpful to know and also like move out of the maladaptive actions internally because that's something people don't see, right? Um, Mm -hmm. They see the behavior, but they don't recognize that and, and this is so interesting because this speaks to something, you know, even within the levels of consciousness, you know, just going back to that, just very broadly speaking, you can kind of um, section them off as creative, being healthy, controlling, which is really like the average level of consciousness and then destructive or unhealthy. And many times for most of us, we live kind of in that average controlling space. And when we feel as though we are not, and this is really kind of the mantra or like the motto, what unconsciously the heart center lives by. And that is see me the way I want to be seen. See me the way I want to be seen. So for the twos, it's see me as loving, see me as, you know, this caring, nurturing, sweet person. Um, And when that isn't, if, and again, this is so interesting because that may be what is taking place, but if that individual who resonates as a two does not experience it in that way, it rings off alarm bells, you know, and the ego's like, oh my God, this person doesn't realize I'm, I love them or that I'm not sure that they love me. So then the fear becomes triggered and then we move to this controlling space, which is where, like you said, we will do whatever we can to kind of get that that feeling or get that validation of, oh, okay, you love me. Good. Just checking, just checking. And instead of being honest and vulnerable, which, you know, is very difficult. Um, You know, it may seem easy for somebody on the outside to be like, well, why doesn't a person who resonates with this energy just say to the other person, hey, I just need you to reassure me. It is hard. It is so, so hard. And this is really where it's so important to realize that in relationships, if you don't understand the struggle of the other, you will never really, really be able to have a truly close relationship that is built on respect. And trust and safety. I think the best thing my husband could have ever done for me when we started learning about Enneagram or just in our relationship in general was looking at me and being like, what do you need? Mm. And asking me that question set off other alarm bells. Like, I don't even know what the heck I need. That's right. That's right. And then that gave it, but that gave us a starting place. Yeah. Yeah. And so Hopefully when we move into the type three, which we'll move into next, because we could probably, I could be selfish and use the whole hour to talk about (laughs) my type. Um, But moving into the next type, hopefully you guys hear different types of language, you know, like Vren is talking about controlling and healthy and destructive and where we are. And more often than not, like how I, how I was saying beginning, like, I feel like most of the time it can go really quickly, how I experience Mm. the other and then move me into a healthy or destructive, um, part of myself internally. 
So hopefully you guys get some language and tools and tips on how to even start these conversations. If you are worried about being vulnerable and sharing this type of side with your, with your partner, with yourself, with your family, with your friends, whomever it is you are in relationship with or in community with, we just want to give you guys some tools to be able to start looking inward and then hopefully you're able to access your needs in a way that feel more authentic and aligned to who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Little caveat there. It's true. Um, yeah. It's true. Um, so should we move into the type three in the heart yes. center? Yes. So the type three is known as the achiever, the achiever. And this is interestingly enough, this is the heart of the heart center. So we have the two, three and the four and in the middle is the three. So the heart of the heart center and, um, so we'll kind of start off the same way, you know, like talking about like um, in, in health and in, at their best in relationship, how they come off. And so for the threes, very often it's easy to see threes in your life because they're the ones who are extremely charismatic. They are incredibly inspiring, um, so attractive. They have this unbelievable ability to really be able to suss out potential right? Because they themselves can see the potential within themselves and more often than not put a lot of effort and energy to really manifesting that potential. And in relationship, the amazing thing is they can see the potential within their partner and at their healthiest will do everything in their capacity to really help their partner, their friend, whoever whoever is the other in the relationship to really manifest that potential and and to the extent of taking a backseat you know and that is so so beautiful incredibly beautiful and so very often the threes are um you know for better or worse and i say that very intentionally this is you know kind of like the hallmark energy that is really promoted in society you know, this is kind of the big city anywhere, actually, kind of um, model or example. You know, this is what everybody wants to be. Um, and we'll, we'll explore some of the shadows of the three because, yes, there is this incredible, inspiring side, but it's not without its own baggage. Yeah, so these are the individuals that are the go-getters, that are charismatic, that are taking the public speaking gigs, that are um, constantly looking for the next thing that is going to fill them up and maybe bring positivity or bring something new to the environment, to the world. Um, would you say that that's, that's pretty accurate of a three? That's that's accurate. And this is the other thing that th- you'll find threes in every single sphere of life, every single sphere. They're really they, diverse. They're super diverse because they can adapt and mold themselves. So uh, when I was learning the Enneagram, this is, this is constantly brought up by my teachers that they can go into a completely different culture and become exactly what that culture desires. You know, they'll just adapt themselves. And then after three years move and they go to a completely new one and then just kind of reinvent themselves because there's a way in which they can, they have a radar for recognizing what is of value. And because this is really the core desire of the three, I am looking and seeking for my own value. Right. So for the twos, we talked about 
that need to be loved and to be close for the threes it's crazy i don't see my value unless somebody tells me i'm valuable that's a lot of power to give away to others mm-hmm. it's, and so one in that shadow side i don't mean to interrupt is is really hot really hard i would assume a hard cross to bear hard, hard cross to bear. So we'll get there, but just a really quick anecdote. So um, my husband is actually a three and I, um, it just, it just so happens. And I experience, I'm so lucky to experience um, this side of him that, I mean, he offers it to everybody, but just being so close, I feel really, really grateful that he's able to see my potential more than I'm able to see my potential. And he will do everything in his capacity to make sure that I will reach my potential. So far as to like for today, you know, we're sitting down, we're, we're, we're getting a chance to like speak about all this, you know, he's taking care of our 15 month old daughter, you know, and with this happy, happy smile on his face, you know, he's like, I'm so overjoyed. You have this opportunity, go, you know, there is actually no, ego or no feeling of, well, I want to be doing something as well. Um, just this, um, this feeling of we're a team. So whatever you do well at, we do well at whatever, you know, and vice versa. So that's the three at its healthiest. That's one of the most beautiful gifts that a partner could give you is we're in this together. It's not you versus me. It is we when one person, I think I just heard Jay Shetty share that about his relationship with his wife saying, you know, when they have conversations or arguments, they always recognize at the beginning, it's not a, I'm trying to be right. Or you're trying to be right. Because if one of us loses, we both lose. And that's not really winning in the relationship. And that sounds exactly like what you're describing. It's true. What a gift the threes can give us. What a gift, if they're healthy. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) always the caveat, right? But it's important to talk about that. I feel like I've learned about the moving down the ladder and the nail, but I feel like sometimes in the world when we're hearing about it, we don't really hear about these shadow sides as much. And it's important, especially in relationships, because I think that this is where they really kind of bubble up. Absolutely. And I I so appreciate you saying that. In fact, um, that is the place that will bubble up 100% because there's nobody that um, can bring out, sadly, the worst in us than somebody who is really close to us, you know, and yet the funny thing is that and I think everybody would agree that these are the people that we actually truly aspire to be the best self are to be our best selves. And yet somehow down the line, you know, during an argument or during an intense conversation, I'll find myself thinking, why, where, how did I get myself here? And this is, again, where it's amazing to see, wow, the ego has such a hold on me. And when it's not getting its validation, it takes me to this crazy place where then I wonder what is going on? How did I get myself here? It. It's funny in relationships, I feel you end up putting on to your partner and this is, this is my own and maybe you resonate or not, but you have these unsaid expectations that sometimes you don't even realize you have. And because you let, you do let them in so close and they do see the multifacets of the way that you view the world, you expect them to just understand 
And the reality is, is they view the world in such a different way. They view the conversation. They've experienced that same exact thing that you are bubbling over about in a completely different way. And whenever you're able to approach a situation, recognizing that maybe my husband, David, will never see exactly that situation the way that I see it, but he can take a step back and be like, I understand that you, Jackie, see the world and saw that situation from that place. I can now go sit there on that side with you and help. You can help me understand. Mm, Beautifully said. Absolutely. All right. Should we get, thank you. Should we get into maybe some areas of growth whenever we are in that kind of destructive place for a three in relationships? So one of the biggest things for the threes, right? We spoke about this in, in terms of one of the gifts that when they see potential, they will invest and invest and just do everything to manifest that potential. So the shadow to that is that can result in becoming, um, a work, a workaholic right? Like just so much time is spent in this pursuit of meeting my potential that I forget about those around me. Actually, I I truly, truly do. And then that can have such tremendous consequences and repercussions. So that's one thing. The other thing is, and, and we said that, you know, the threes are interesting. They're the center of the heart center. Now that said, you would think, oh, wow. So they must really, really be in touch with their emotions. The funny thing is that they are so often, often far away from their emotions. And the reason for that is in being efficient and being productive. Guess what? Emotions are messy. Feelings are messy. They slow me down. And because they slow me down, depending again on the level of consciousness, it can be very easy for the threes to just like, unplug their heart truly unplug their hearts i have never heard of it that way about going into that destructive part of them when they're just trying to get that need met of feeling worthy i'm feeling valuable of that language or understanding that that slows them down they're like "Uh uh-uh i'm not here for this i don't have time i don't have time to deal with this I love you. I want you to do well. I want to do well. I'm still trying to get this other need met here. But what they don't understand is once they plug their heart back in, they'll realize that that's where their needs are probably going to be met. Well, it's interesting because, you know, when you say like plug their heart back in, it can be so difficult. And what they forget is, you know, in order to feel worthy, the primary word right there is to feel. So the very instrument that they require in order to feel their worth, in order to actually feel happy, they disconnect. So then what happens is, um, my husband coined this term, you know, you just become like an achievement machine, essentially. So you just, it's almost like you, you just start piling up medals and awards and accolades and you're just putting it into this bag but the bag has a big hole in it because there's nothing to actually like keep it all inside and so similarly that's the heart of the three you know you can say wow that was an amazing talk you gave and the three's like oh thank you and two seconds later they've forgotten because they can't actually feel and take in the compliment 
mm-hmm. right? And because to them, it's like, okay, check, done. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Let me keep filling my bag because something is empty because all the success is just dropping right out of the bag because that's not, it's again, it's a guys, right? The achievement is not what they're looking for. That's not what they want. They just want to be seen and told that you are worthy without all of these things that you bring to me, without all of these awards that you have, without all of these, these um, literal gifts that you were bringing and having to the table. There's so much more than that. Yeah. And that, that's the thing, right? So rarely do, do they receive that in terms of you being you is enough, right? That is worth actually. You are worthy just because you exist. But to them early on, there has been, and this is what happens with all of the types. There is like an internal equation that is built that my worth comes from achieving my worth comes from and this is another thing i've heard which really struck me um because i'm not in touch with myself my worth comes from fulfilling and plugging into the dreams of other people i don't even know what i want you know that that threes like once they start doing the work they can really feel lost they feel like well, I don't know who I am without all of these things. That I thought I wanted, that I thought would make me fill up when they leave me yeah. feeling empty. Yeah. yeah, that's hard. That's so hard. And having the opportunity to like bear all of that or allow someone into that is, I would imagine, incredibly difficult, especially in relationships. Yeah. And that's why sometimes um, people will also say that, you know, these are like very competitive people, you know, like they'll step over anybody to get to the top. And the reason, you know, if you go deep down is because they're so scared that of feeling worthless, that they forget about all of like the richness of, of relationships sometimes, right? Because they're just, again, trying to just like, in many ways, find themselves. Yeah, it's so, so difficult. And so, again, if you think about the very, very healthy three, they can be on the sidelines and they can be cheering for somebody else without any feeling of, I wish that was me. Mm -hmm. But that takes, you know, from this place that we're just talking about, such tremendous growth. But wouldn't that be such a relief, you know, for any of anybody who might resonate with that three energy out there. It's like, what a relief that I can just be happy for somebody. I don't need to like be planning my next move to figure out how I can, you know, do better than them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. I think that you probably incited a lot of people, like a window into a lot of people's soul right there. Um, Should we move into our beautiful, beautiful floors? Yeah, our four is the known as the individualist. So these are these incredible, incredible beings who have such an ability to hold space. They are um, unbelievable at very honestly processing hard emotions. They are not afraid of going to the dark spaces. And vulnerability very often comes very easily for them, very, very easily. 
And uh, they can also be extremely thoughtful, so, so talented, so creative. And the reason for that is because they've dug so deep within themselves that at their healthiest, what they can do is they can come out with different offerings, um, whether it be through art, through literature, through whatever, and, and the way in which they process their own suffering, pain, hardship, and, the, and whatever comes out and is presented to the world, people are so touched. Very often, fours will receive um, feedback that, I don't know how you managed to articulate what was going on inside of me. They're able to tap into this universality of human emotion in depth, right? And so um, I'm, again, just really lucky to have a really, really healthy four in my life. Um, it's actually my husband's best friend. And I always think of him when I think of a healthy four. Um, I had this wild experience with him. My husband had to go to the ER for, for something. And um, his friend came along. And at a certain point in the ER, my husband was screaming. Like he was in so much pain so much so Jackie I had my hands over my ears because it was like it was traumatizing mm -hmm. you know I was just outside of the curtain and I was just like I I don't know what is happening like what is happening I felt like I was in an alternative reality and his best friend was there and he just stood beside me in silence maybe once maybe one more time maybe twice he asked me is there anything I can do um, can I get you something to drink? And I said, no, no, I'm okay. And he just, he just held space. And he was there. He was going through the pain and the suffering himself. He wasn't trying to fix it. He wasn't trying to take it away. He just was there. And it was so profound. I still think back to that experience and I, it, it holds so much weight for me because I didn't even know that's what I needed but that's what I needed. And that gave me so much solace and strength that somebody was willing to just go through that suffering with me. You know, mm -hmm. this is like, this is the superpower of the four. Yeah. For, for them to just it almost, and I don't know if you've talked to him about that time, but I, from what I'm learning about the fours, like that's where they're super comfortable. They are super comfortable. And, it, and again, it's because they aren't scared to go into the dark spaces. And so very often they can be amazing as coaches, therapists, anything to do with like any, anything in the realm of emotions, uh, mental health, anything, because you can tell them like the wildest, craziest things and they'll just sit there and be like, mm -hmm, yeah. I get it. Nothing, yeah, I get it. And it, it's not because they've gone through that same experience, but they've processed things in such a way it's almost as good as they have. And then the shadow side is, is they like being there so much that sometimes it's hard <laughs> to, to get out, right? Yeah. So one of the big things for the fours is, um, and I laugh because I have a pretty big four wing and, and it comes out nice. And so this is, this is just as much like, learning for me to like, remember this, remember this friend, and that is you are not your emotions. You are not your emotions. You have feelings, they inform you about a particular time, place, circumstance, but you are not them. 
And you said that it can be very easy for them to get like stuck in negative emotions. And the reason for that is because negative emotions have a much longer shelf life. And so sometimes force can even feel like the good stuff, like that's really pedestrian actually. Like, come on, that is super pedestrian. Like, you know, where the real thing is, is like in the melancholy, in the sadness, let's add a little like soupçon of depression in here. And, and it's because, you know, for them, the whole quest is for, um, I'm so scared that I don't have an identity. And very often the, the focus becomes my emotions because I feel so strongly that becomes the focal point for my identity. And if I don't feel, then I have, I'm identity-less. I am nothing. I mm-hmm. am nothing. So how can we best, or how can fours best show up in a relationship outside of like holding space? And what are some areas of maybe kind of growth for them when they are in relationship, kind of looking inward? Mm. So one thing that's really, really important is to, um, is to have some accountability and discipline built into their life. It can be very easy for fours to, in anything, you know, in relationship, in relationship to their work even, to, and in fact, I would say even the focus on like their work can be so helpful in their relationship to say, um, I am not going to subscribe to this you know, way of thinking that I will do this when I feel like it. Like, I will just do this regardless of whether I feel like it or not. And once that regularity starts to come in, what happens is that the creativity comes naturally. They're looking for it in order to inspire them. And yet when they start to get into the work, it very naturally comes and that's where they thrive. And when they're thriving, that automatically starts to shift into their relationship. So it's very, very helpful for the fours to like, actually like get into their body, you know, going back to what we were speaking about before, you know, sometimes we can say, stay very much um, closed into like our center. And then sometimes we have a secondary center. So perhaps sometimes for the fours that can be, you know, the head. So I'm spinning from my head to my feelings, my, like my mind to my feelings back and forth, back and forth. But to just like, get out there, get into your body, do some exercise, like create something it like, it's, it like short circuits that whole thing and gives some, yeah, some space, some meaning. It kind of, again, brings you back, brings you back into yourself instead of just like, I mean, you are in yourself, but it kind of, like you said, it shakes things up a little bit, a different type of experience than just being inside of yourself where you're so, so comfortable, kind of a little bit of an external experience. Exactly. The other thing is (laughs) I was, I was just reading about this yesterday. I was just going through um, the Bible, I guess you can say, for, en- for the Enneagram, which is um, the wisdom of the Enneagram. And one thing Don Riso and Russ Hudson say, and I was laughing internally, is like, try not to have imaginary conversations with yourself, especially excessively negative, negative ones and those that are excessively romantic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the fours sometimes are even called the romantics. There is very much this notion of, you know, a savior will come to save me. So have actual conversations. Don't indulge in the ones in your head. 
I think that is probably super helpful advice, especially in relationship. Going yeah. back to that question that my sweet, sweet six told, asked me is like, I don't know. I can't read your mind. <laughs> and recognizing that this view of the world is, is not how other people see it. So you have to let them in and you can't just sit in that space alone because someone will go there with you, but also you have to be willing to let them take you out of it too. Exactly. I love that. So today we talked about the heart center, two, three, and four, and we kind of just rounded out ways that they, what they can bring to relationships with a little bit of like fears and desires in there, um, healthy motivations, destructive and ways that we can kind of grow into our healthiest self within a relationship. Um, I'm so excited to have you on again. Um, until then, if people are curious, like they're like, okay, um, I don't know if I resonate with these. I'm not too sure. I kind of want to be prepared for next week, which next week we are going to be talking about the gut or instinctive center that you talked about, um, which will be type eight, nine, and one. And That's so um, what are some resources in the meantime that you would point people towards to maybe dive deeper into the Enneagram or start recognizing maybe um, they feel like they resonated today or they didn't so they can kind of have a better idea or framework of maybe who they are in the Enneagram? Sure. So there are some um, incredible books for those who really love to get into reading. Um, there is, of course, The Wisdom of the Enneagram. Anything by John Riso, Russ Hudson, I highly, highly recommend. That is a very comprehensive book. So if that is a bit too much, the other book that I highly recommend is, um, it's a great kind of like intro book. It's called The Road Back to You call, um, by Ian Morgan Crone, I believe. And Susan Stabile too, right? That's right. And Susan Stabile as well. Um, I would, I think they do an incredible job um, with just giving a really fundamental introduction to the Enneagram. And then for those who might want more of like that um, discussion based type of um, deep dive or even if curious like I would really love to know my type and I, I know we were talking about this offline which was um, what about tests are tests really good and you know there's always social desirability bias and and also it also it requires that you have a certain level of awareness even when you're you know answering the questions. So one of the things I do offer is our Enneagram consultations where you know it's a deep dive it's dedicated to you where we like really through intense questioning, I'll put it that way, uh, really look to see what are the motivations that are driving you and kind of build a hypothesis as to what type you may be. Absolutely, I think those are really helpful resources that I'll link below in the episode notes and resources. I'll point them to you, but I do want you to keep thinking in your brain because I won't ask you this episode since you're coming on, but just kind of like a little teaser for people. I do want you to think of the answer to this question. How do you think we as humans are more like than we are different? And we will answer it now. Yeah. And we'll answer it at the very end of our time together. Awesome. All right. For the next Rin, one. Thank you so much for doing this. This was so much fun. Um, I feel like we could probably talk all day. 
But um, I can't wait to have you on next week. And everybody tune in whenever we dive in to talk more about the instinctive center of the Enneagram and relationships. But until then, we will see you next week. See you next week. I hope you all loved this episode about the heart center of the Enneagram with Vryn. I feel like she did a wonderful job setting the stage for us as she kind of opened up the conversation and we explored and talked about and under began to understand the three types of the Enneagram or the three centers of the Enneagram, excuse me. And all that being said that in order to get to our most alive and understanding our most authentic and current selves, we need to have this deep understanding of where we are within our levels of consciousness so that we can go ahead and move the needle to a different place to become our most healthy version of ourselves. There's not one type that is more compatible with the other. It just depends on you and your partner, your friend, your family, if you guys are willing to put in the work in order to be your most best selves for each other and in relationship together. And if this is the only part that you listen to with the more like episode, I think that there's just going to be this thread of knowing yourself and understanding yourself, what makes you tick, what makes you grow. That's the beautiful stuff. That is the stuff that we're here to uncover on the More Like podcast and just recognize that you, just as you are, are perfect and beautiful and lovely. And tools like the Enneagram really do help catapult your relationship into a different area that you might not ever have known existed. So stay tuned for another episode with Vryn next week as we talk all about one of the new, one of the different centers of the Enneagram. I look forward to it. Talk soon. Love you guys.